All right, suppose you have the Bible sitting in front of you. You've never opened it. You have never read it. And now you want to, and you want to understand it correctly. Well, let's talk about how on an all new episode of C28. It's a good subject, right? Yeah. How to study the Bible. Yeah. Didn't you have some statistic where um, when COVID started, there was a huge search on Google for how to study the Bible? Oh, yeah. It was YouTube. Um, man, I can't remember the exact number. I want to say like 500,000 searches a month or something like that. Wow. But it's like all of a sudden people had to read the Bible for themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how do we do this? Are we in Revelation? Which part of the Bible are we in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, so suppose do you remember in high school you ever did you ever write letters to girls you liked yes <laughs> well, i did not think that you would take it this direction brian <laughs> well i just happened to have one here <laughs> i'm just kidding oh boy no but uh I, those letters <laughs> for the uh, record they were never poetry neither were mine. i just I feel like think. i needed to get that out there <laughs> why are you so sensitive I'm just about really that? self-conscious about that for some reason <laughs> i don't want people thinking i'm writing poetry all right. I'd take poetry. If someone wants to think I wrote poetry, I'm fine with that. I mean, I know David. David's like the warrior poet and super cool. I'm just not that guy. Like, I don't want people. <laughs> You're to not that guy, man. You're <laughs> not that guy. <laughs> I'm not cool like David. Yeah. I can't pull it off. If I was also a warrior, then maybe but in my <laughs> current state, I cannot be a poet. Like if you had some level of muscle definition. <laughs> <laughs> If I had like the heads of Philistines, like as a like, collection or something. Like if when you brush your teeth, your whole body didn't shake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then maybe I'd write <laughs> But instead, here we are. All right. I appreciate the we. <laughs> yeah, we yeah for sure. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. All right. So when you, one thing I remembered is that you can never trust from with the letters I got, you can never trust the beginning of the letter because even if you're being broken up with, uh, it would start like, man, you're such a great guy. I've really mm -hmm. had a good time, you yeah. know? And like, like, man, some girls can be really lucky someday. And if you just stop there and be like, honestly, put that, put that in your pocket, go about your day. But sometimes you continue reading and like, but, but, <laughs> We'll yeah. always be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a couple of those. <laughs> so anyways, I mean, just, I mean, that's a silly example, but um, even when you read love letters from somebody, uh, you know, you, there's principles that you kind of go by. You haven't been trained to. You just do it. Like you read the whole thing because sometimes what is said in the beginning makes more sense when you read mm -hmm. um, towards the end. And then also um, knowing, you know, if you get a letter after an event, you know, it, it, you interpret what's being said by that event that it's written out of, you know, mm -hmm. and also who wrote that letter to you, right? When did they write it? Um, you know, and, and th those things really matter. And so that, that kind of jump starts the conversation for me, the very, at the very foundation of reading the Bible and understanding it. Um, there's a, there's a principle that I would just start off with, like, before you try to study the Bible, in the in-depth way, you know, like, oh, okay, I got this book in front of me. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to start studying it. Mm -hmm. I would say this, um, pump the brakes a bit and read it from front to back a couple times. Yeah. Not just once, a couple times. And uh, just make it, uh, and also 
uh, listening to it, I think is acceptable. I think you should have one of those times probably be a read through. Sure. But if you li- if you read through it once and you listen through it twice, then at that point, you know, starting to work through that and reading, I think that having that foundation of reading it and understanding, um, you know, Genesis, the fall, the flood, right? Those things, those things matter when you start trying to understand sin and creation and who mm-hmm. we are. Um, just like, you know, that, the Exodus matters and the Israelites matter when we start uh, talking about, you know, the payment for sin even, right? And then it builds upon itself. And then when New Testament authors are quoting Old Testament, you kind of get that put together. Um, knowing the Gospels really make a difference in all of the epistles. And uh, so having a general understanding um, would be step one. And uh, so... That I think is CJ and I would agree and probably I don't know anybody that disagree that if we are going to talk about right now um, Bible study methods, how to study the Bible, how to read the Bible, um, I think we're all unified in agreement on you have to read the Bible front to back a couple times before we're going to start any level of really in-depth study on it. Yeah. And I mean, just to use an application for people 25 or under. Like when you're texting someone, right? It's like a tense conversation. You said something, you're not really sure how they're going to take it. And you got the little bubbles that are working their way back and forth across the screen. You're waiting for that message to come through. And it's like a doozy, Mm -hmm. right? It's like a whole on paragraph that you're going to read through. Like you're going to quickly read that whole thing, right? And then go back. And start dis- dissecting each part of that it. That is interesting. I never, I didn't think about that, but right. I think I don't that stop is what three sentences into that paragraph. Yeah, you're not going to write no reply after three sentences, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to have a reaction to it. You're not going to respond in some sure. way without going over that whole thing first, and yeah. then going back and figuring out, okay, but what did they mean by that? Yeah, yeah, and then you start caring about, you know, man, they kept using the same word over and over again, or you know the. Oh, mm-hmm. this is obviously referring to this event, I can tell, right. you know, or something like that. Right. And what we're trying to do in that moment, mm-hmm. reading that text message, is not figure out what that text message means to us. Right. We're trying to figure out how they meant it, mm-hmm. right? So we know what they're trying to communicate. Right, because the goal of all of what we're going to talk about right now is how to understand the truth of Scripture as intended by the author. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Man, I feel my college coming yeah. back. I'm like, I'm remembering important things. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So you have been talking about this, a kind of method. Okay. Right? We'll a jump step, right to that. A step sure. by step. Because I think if we talked about that and then we could talk about some of the reasons that that method is important and some of the principles that play into it. Sure. Let me scroll down there. And, the, right. and, and there's a couple of good methods sure. right, that one could use. This is one good method that, that we were going to talk about. Yeah. And, and I'll explain why I've used this one. Because it's the only one I remembered for some reason. <laughs> like they said, so it's an acrostic, right? And it's uh, and it's coma. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I just always remembered coma. Mm-hmm. And it's just for those out there who may not know what acrostic means. <laughs> you know, someone someone out there, I'm sure doesn't. <laughs> you, are you struggling right now, bro? <laughs> just for the okay. listeners, could you explain right. what acrostic means? An acrostic would be uh, so coma. Um, has four letters. Each of the letters uh, have a meaning. And so you can write out coma vertically. And the C would mean context. The O would mean observation. The M would mean meaning. And the A would mean application. And so you'd have typically the way it, it appears visually is coma is written vertically. And then horizontally coming off of the C, you'd have uh, context. Horizontally coming off of the O, you'd have observation. 
Horizontally coming off of the M would be meaning. Horizontally coming off of the A would be application. Perfect. I think the listeners really appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's one in every crowd. <laughs> or at every table. <laughs> yeah, there's only two of us, bro. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, this was just one of, of the things, um, one of the tools given. That's really what it is. Um, it's not a rule. It's a tool. So it's a tool to keep us from um, to from taking essentially taking things out of context. Huge danger, um, because when you take things out of context, what you lose sometimes the danger is that you are going to lose the author's intended meaning mm-hmm. and uh which is very easy you know you ever sent a bible study and somebody's like oh let's read this and what did this mean to you mm-hmm. like oh uh, i just heard about that this week <laughs> i heard about that happening this week do you want to run with that at all no we'll, we'll come back to it okay yeah so when i you, just don't want to forget right so when they're asking that they're asking the wrong question mm-hmm. i don't care what it means to you like when you read something it'd be like me writing cj um a letter or a shooting him a text and what he finds most important is, is what does it mean? What does it mean to me rather than him saying, what does Brian mean by this? Right. Right. And I think that that is uh, the honorable thing. The due diligence is when you receive a message, whether it's verbal or written, um, what is the intended meaning from the author? Mm-hmm. Right. You don't get a hijack somebody else's writing. Right. Um, and, and let's say that you text me and you say, hey, I'll come over tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, tomorrow could mean a few different things. But if I just interpret it through what I want it to mean and I desire that you show up at 10 a.m. for whatever we're doing. Oh, gotcha. That's like, what does tomorrow mean? (laughs) So just track with me. Okay. So like I I say, you know what? Tomorrow at 10 a.m. would be perfect. And then I just assume that you're supposed to be there at 10 Mm a.m. And then you don't get there at 10 a.m. I could be really disappointed. Mm -hmm. Instead, I could have taken other information that I have from other messages that you've sent me and probably get a more accurate idea of what you meant by tomorrow. Right. 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 Like if you knew culturally, when somebody says tomorrow, it always means morning unless they differentiate. Right. That's not our culture. But if that were a culture, then you'd be like, oh, so it means in the morning because it's always morning unless they differentiate. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So um, the acrostic, I kind of I kind of gave um, it all away there. Um, but this is typically, um, I would just you know, as far as tool, this is a good one for you. If you're like, Hey, I would like to have a tool in my back pocket on, uh, how to study the Bible, just a good process. And and so the first thing we've already talked about, you got to read it through a couple of times before you study something like CJ said, you get, you know, um, a huge long text from somebody. You don't read the first sentence and then starting to try to figure out what they meant by it. Right. You read the whole thing in its totality. And then you, with that broad understanding, then you begin to look into details of the text. So similarly, um, if you're going to study uh, the Gospel of Luke, you're going to read it several times front to back. Remember, chapter titles were added later. Chapters were added later. Verses uh, were added later. Um, it's intended to be read and understood as a whole. And so, you know, my theory is if you, if you can read uh, The Hobbit or sit through a two-hour movie, you can you can take you know an hour and read through Luke a couple times. So, anyways, you're reading Luke, you're studying Luke, you read it two or three times. Um, in college, they had us do it seven times, but um, which is probably a good practice. But uh, just in general, get through that three times and then uh, coma that text. Um, first, you're going to read it and you're going to try to understand what is the context. When was it written? Who was it written by? Uh, who was it written to? Why were they writing it? All those things create context. Um, and culture is a huge part of that as well. So you're looking at the context around, you know, why it was written, who was written to, who wrote it, 
um, cultural understandings on, on, on certain things. Um, and kind of in the time period it was written, were there wars around there? Were there not wars around there? Was there times of peace, not times of peace, things like that. So then once you have the context, then the observation part um, is really around reading the text, observing what it's actually saying. And so that's reading through the text and getting a good understanding. And maybe by the third time, you're like, you know what? I don't really feel like I've observed the text well enough and understand in general what is actually being said. So then at the point that you have the observation done, you've, you understand the context, all the background to it. You've actually read the text again and you got a good grasp of it. And then at that point, you should be able to grab the meaning. Um, now, uh, there are levels of study, right? So this would be, you know, a just good fundamental approach to reading and understanding uh, text and scripture. And because there are different study habits like repeating words and verb rivers and things like that. But just for reading, you got the context, you observe it, and then you kind of can be able to understand what is the meaning of this text? Like, what is it communicating? Then after you know what it's communicating, what the author intended to be communicated, um, then after that, then you can move on to application. Okay, so how does this apply to me? Mm-hmm. And the 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 reason why this is fundamental is because those four things really have to happen in that order. You can't mix that order up too much. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's pretty big dangers in that. So, so what, that, would, what would happen if someone started with application? If you start with application, you think you're David. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You think you're David and, right. and, and Goliath. Right. And there's a bunch of giants out there to slay. Yeah. And right. and so, what you know, you're... you're your smooth stones. What are your smooth stones? What are your weapons you're going to attack this problem with? Yeah. No, 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 no. Like, like you have, you have missed the story of David and Goliath. If you begin to think that you're David or you're Goliath. Right. Thank you, Matt Chandler for changing my life forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, that's one of, that's an example of the, one of the issues that can arise. Um, if you begin to mix these up because it, um, we should not read the David and Goliath story and then apply that, thinking that what the Bible has for me today is that I have these problems in my life and those are like Goliath. They seem so big. How can I possibly defeat them? Well, I got my five smooth stones I'm going to take with me and they are, um, I believe in myself. Um, I can do it. Uh, patience and don't quit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you might as well just put the Bible away because you're doing a disservice to it and you're not going to understand what's being taught there. Right. So anyways, that's just a good tool. That's coma. That's coma. That's coma. Uh, (laughs) Context, observation, meeting, then application. And it's just a good way to keep your priorities right as you read scripture um, as a good fundamental 101, read the Bible and understand it approach. Yeah. What do you got, CJ? Yeah. No, that's super helpful. I think that so something that we've been talking about in school that has, has been helpful for me is kind of like the history um, of biblical interpretation and how different uh, at different times in history there's been a different emphasis on ways to interpret the Bible. But um, one of the ones that has stood out to me, so um, prior to the Protestant Reformation, there was this idea that the Roman Catholic Church specifically um, was like the institution that was allowed by God to interpret Scripture, right, for the people. And so what, however the church the Roman Catholic Church, um, decided to interpret a given passage is the way that everyone must accept it as the interpretation. So they're kind of the gatekeeper, right, Mm -hmm. Um, for how people could understand 
scripture. And, and one of the things that happened was Martin Luther during the Reformation, one of his big emphasis was that every Christian has a right to private interpretation. Now I'm going to unpack that, right? Because I can get a little sketchy if mm-hmm. we don't know what that means, right? Oh, or, yeah. or what Luther meant by that. Mm-hmm. What Luther meant is that there is not an institution that has the right to bind every conscience, right? Of every Christian yeah. for every interpretation of scripture. That every Christian has the ability um, through the Holy Spirit, the illumination of the word through the Holy Spirit to interpret scripture properly, right? And that this is something that should be done in a group setting of the church, right? But not in an institutional way where the interpretation is handed down to people. So like you and I are always encouraging mm-hmm. people, open up your Bibles mm-hmm. and study them for yourselves. We say all the time, especially when we're teaching publicly, like open up your Bible and fact check us. Make sure make sure we're not leading you astray, right? We never assume that we have any corner on the market as far as interpretation. Now, the danger can be when people think of it private interpretation, they approach the text in a self-serving way. So how can I make this mean what I want it to mean to mm-hmm. be convenient for me? Yeah. And that's not what Luther was talking about. He was talking about getting back to the original intended meaning of the text by the original author, the human and the Holy Spirit author working together, right? And yep. so it is extremely important that we don't approach the text with an agenda, but that we approach the text as much as possible without um, presuppositions or without um, an, an agenda for making it say what we want it to say, especially in our cultural moment, right? That's mm-hmm. extremely popular right now. Mm-hmm extremely popular right now. And also it's not, um, scripture is not like a jigsaw puzzle that we just dump out on the table when we start picking up pieces and, and putting them together the way that we want. Like there's, it's a one solid piece, right? Mm-hmm. That all runs together. And I think that it's really dangerous if we flip open our Bibles and you said this already, and we go to a passage and we say, what does this mean to me? That's not how you study the Bible. That's, that's not what you do, right? It doesn't matter what it means to you because it's probably wrong. <laughs> what matters is what the intended author meant. Yeah, and the reason we believe that is important is because we believe that this is the inspired word of God preserved right. for his people. So then God chose to reveal himself this way to us, and so then we don't change that. We want to know what does God want us to have and know right now. Yeah. And so in in God, we do not believe in the way he constructed his word was aloof and distracted. Right. Very intentional. There are purposes and meanings, the reason why certain things are in Scripture and certain things are not. And so we study those to learn. And I, and when we learn God's Word, we learn who God is, and that's a big thing to mess up, right. who God is. Right. And this isn't an episode on, on different doctrines necessarily, but I just want to touch on the sufficiency of Scripture. So places and organizations like Bethel out of Reading are really big on saying things like God is bigger than his book. And in a sense, I would agree that the Bible is not exhaustive, sure. right, in what it says about God. But in what it does say about God, it is sufficient and true. Absolutely. Right? It's absolute truth. Um, what God has revealed to us is sufficient for what we need. So, and I'm going to use this verse for a couple of different points while we're talking. But in oh, what, go, what go you're ahead. saying about say an example church like Bethel yeah. is that what they're saying is that God is still revealing new things mm-hmm. and what that allows room for is something that doesn't fit in scripture. Right. But then you don't have to compare what you 
are claiming to be from God to God's word, you can claim it as new word now. Exactly. And that's when you say God is bigger than his book, meaning that there's going to be new things, right? Right. And uh, so then you can create new theologies and doctrines on things based upon like, well, this is fuller than what was said. This is more than, this is an extenuation of. Right. um, And that's, that's basically what Mormons do. Yeah. Right. It's not that different. Yeah. In the way they get there. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we, we've used this passage before. Um, We've talked about it in our episode on what is the Bible. Um, Second Timothy um, is, I think it's 416 says, I'm sorry. Yeah. 316, not 416. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there's a couple of points I think, uh, there's a couple of things in here I think inform us on the, the necessity of Bible study. Um, so one is that all scripture is breathed out by God. We've covered that in that episode. I would recommend go back and listening to it. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So it, all scripture is profitable for those things, right? So every part of scripture, every part of scripture is worth studying because every part is breathed out by God. So that means that Leviticus and Deuteronomy are absolutely worth studying because they are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we can't neglect the parts that we call boring, right? Or that some people would call boring because all of it is inspired by God and for these things. Now, so I, I got to read Leviticus. Is that what you're saying? You have to read Leviticus. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'll start today. You can't just quit when it gets hard. <laughs> yeah. You can't um, skip the genealogies. And that's probably another good point is that this part of this is discipline. And I think that our culture relies so much on feelings, right? Mm. And that's what we run into a lot with Bible study is like, how does this make me feel? What do I feel the meaning of this passage is? How do I feel about reading Leviticus? Mm. And at some point you have I to don't de- feel I'm saved, right? You have to decide that this is what I'm supposed to do and I need to do it. Right. It just comes down to discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I'll say something about that in just a second, but the uh, verse 17 um, in chapter three says that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Right. So this is necessary for being complete. Right. And talking about salvation, coming to a complete salvation, coming to this, um, faith in Christ equipped then for every good work. Um, meaning that there's nothing left out of scripture that you need that the man of God may be complete. Meaning you don't need to go outside of the Bible, even though God is more infinite than is contained in scripture. You don't need to go outside of the Bible to be complete and equipped for every good work. So you are saved and ready to live the Christian life by everything that is contained already in Scripture. You don't need any extra biblical writings. You don't need any extra biblical prophecies, right, that are so often peddled to people nowadays, especially by by churches like Bethel, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They almost make a game out of God's Word. Yeah. And I don't think that he takes this lightly. He says, this is what I have said. It is sufficient. It is enough for every person to be complete in God and ready for the good work of the Christian life. I think it's insulting to God to assume that there must be more that he's left out. So yeah, Bible study is really important and you don't need to go outside of the Bible in your Bible study. And this gets into like, uh, I, I could keep rambling. I think I'm going to keep rambling if I don't stop here. Yep. So, okay. Do it. Okay. 
So the idea, a, a term that came out of the Reformation also is, is sola scriptura. And the idea is that scripture um, alone, scripture alone. And where pe- some people get mixed up is they won't read any other book, but the Bible. But that wasn't the intended meaning of sola scriptura. Mm. The inter- intended meaning was that the Bible was ultimately authoritative. So every other writing, every other speaker, every other preacher, every other you know, whatever had to bow the knee to what scripture said. Absolutely. Scripture is ultimately authoritative. Yeah. So we would also say, well, we're, we're kind of getting a little off topic. I know. Here, I know. I, I felt myself doing that, it, but I'm like, it all ties in. Yeah. So it, in, in, if we feel that we have a word from the Lord, right, or a, or a conviction from the Spirit, however right. you phrase that, mm-hmm. and and we're we're wondering if it's from the Lord, it's very it's very actually pretty simple, because that has to be compared to Scripture, yeah, because that is the standard. Then, so right, um, if you believe I'm not going to forgive any of my brothers and sisters in the church because God forgives and I don't, mm-hmm. uh, you have to compare that conviction to what scripture says and you'll find out that you're wrong. And so then you adapt what you believe to scripture, not to believe, not to some conviction. And what you got to then learn is that whatever that conviction was and how you came to that conclusion, that was a conviction from God, that that was not a conviction from God. And that is for me, tuning your heart to the word of God, right. tuning your heart to hear when God is convicting your heart and leading you. And uh, you have to be able to spot like that wasn't the Lord. And that kind of is part of what when people say, like, how do you know when the Lord's talking to you? I'm like, part of it's knowing when God is and is not and comparing that to scripture. And that is tuning uh, your ears to what the Lord has to say. You've got to know the real thing. You got to know the real thing. And to know the real thing, you got to know how to study it correctly. And now we're back on track. Right. And something, so a good example you brought up um, that if God is, which the Bible clearly communicates, God forgives right? Mm-hmm. That is clearly communicated. Yep. We have to be careful of things like unnecessary implications because an unnecessary implication from the true teaching that God forgives is that I don't have to. Right. That's an unnecessary implication. Yeah. So we have to be very careful of things like that. Yeah. Right. And part of, and another thing, you know, like, you know, 204 Bible study methods <laughs> is going to talk about harmonizing. Yeah. Right. Taking when, you know, looking at the text as a whole and seeing what is the Bible teaching as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because if you um, just go to like, God forgives you, like then I don't have to because God's the forgiver. Right. Well, then if you don't read over when it says that you forgive seven times 70, then you know, you're going to, you're going to miss that. Yeah. Hey, so you brought up actually, um, uh, second Timothy three sixteen. or Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so well, one of the examples that um, is used sometimes in, you know, looking at context is when, it says uh, all scriptures God breathed, right? So if you're like, if you don't do any study beyond that, um, a normal person is going to run across that one time and be like, oh, maybe this is reminiscent of, say, Mount Sinai when God inscribed his word with his finger and etched it onto tablets. And and so then scripture um, was actually uh, brought together because God literally breathed onto the pages. And there's this miraculous thing where there's a bunch of pages laying on a table and he breathed on them and words appeared. Well, right? that's how the King James was written, actually. Well, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so the, the point is that like that's something if you don't read um, all of First Timothy or all of Scripture, you're not going to understand what that is being taught. If you don't do a little word study on God breathe, right. then you're not going to understand that. And so there are other principles in studying 
the word. And, and part of that would be context a little bit like, like the word, you know, uh, uh, Greek, knowing Greek, you know, if you're going to read something translating from Greek, knowing how to go look at Greek words, you know, biblehub.com is really great actually at that. And then you can kind of do those word studies, having a study Bible where people, I was going to say, what are some good tools? So I would say biblehub.com okay. is a great online resource and the ESV study Bible is the best study Bible ever made. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty undisputed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I when it first came out, um, I, I looked who who created it, how it was created, uh, who put the notes in there, what archaeological evidence was used, and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm sold on this bad boy. Mm-hmm. And it's remained that way um, ever since. There hasn't been another one that's uh, that's come out. Um, the part of the problem, no, it's not a problem. I do value the NLT study Bible for the sake of readability. The NLT being an actual translation and having study notes altogether. Um, but I just like the study notes better in the ESV. And for study purposes, I use the They're ESV a lot more dense, that's for sure. Yeah. So anyways, one of the examples of just context being important, word studies being important, is knowing what God breathed and how scripture was put together. Another one that is used sometimes is God is love. Mm. Yeah, that's taken out of context all the time. Yeah. Um, and if you just read God is love in First John chapter 4, and you don't read 7 through 21, uh, what's being talked about here um is not that um it is not and uh, the intention is not to describe who god is in its totality and so god is love and then you go off and you've been like well there's no room for wrath and a loving god well there's no room for a uh, judgment and a loving god um so there's so many things wrong with that approach some people read that god is love and and just see this image of this romantic loving god i'm gonna sit with him and lean against his chest and drink from his cup type of thing which is one of the songs we banned from youth group about and about 10 years ago uh (laughs) we get this image of god loves everyone at all times this gushing romantic love and really it's speaking of a sacrificial love that is not based upon what you can gain from that relationship um and it's a, it's a mark of a Christian, this mm-hmm. love. So knowing what that love is, and it's being described as the mark of a Christian in at least First John chapter 4, uh, knowing that stuff and reading more than three words. By the way, God is love is not even the whole verse. Mm-hmm. You know, So reading, like we talked about in Coma, you, you read the entire, uh, the entire book itself. You're going to read First John. You're going to... Uh, in its totality, a couple times to understand it together. So then when you read God as love, you're going to already know what it's talking about, like the disciples. Like, here, I'll actually uh, read the surrounding text around that for anybody who hasn't done that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that he might live through him. In this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever loved Sorry, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And it goes on with some really good stuff. But you can tell even by just reading, what is that? Five verses? Yeah. That it's not a lovey, gushy, romantic love. It's something being described of what the disciples 
of God would look like and that this love is defined by his sacrifice on the cross for uh, the redeemed. Yeah. So anyways, that's just an example of, What's, yeah, it's you know, because there's people that literally have came to our church and said, uh, like, um, I don't judge, I just love, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's not what the Bible it's says. It's God's job to judge. Yeah. It's my job to love. Right, that's not what the Bible yeah. teaches. Right. Um, I mean, it's, in a sense, it's close, and in a sense, <laughs> it's like you've totally swung and missed the ball. Yeah. So, and, and part of that would be understanding the context, and that's just another example. And that's the seriousness of studying the Bible, that truth is a razor's edge. Yeah. Right. It's so close, yep. but not right. Yep. And I, I love this quote. It's that, from, that's, that's how other religions start, by the way, being so close, but not right, right. Is, is why people feel comfortable stepping out of what they've known and into something else. Because it's so close, but yet it's, it's just a little bit more comfortable. Exactly. Then the, then the next step away is it's so close, but it's just a little bit more comfortable rather than understanding what the author intended. What is the meaning in scripture that was preserved for us, breathed out by God, inspired for us, to know and understand as a foundation that we compare all things to for truth yeah, for our entire life. Yep. Yeah. Spurgeon said that discernment is not merely knowing right from wrong, but knowing right from almost right. Mm. I go back to that all the time. Oh, yeah. that, that is constantly on my mind. That quote right from almost right. And I can, that's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh my gosh. So we put it on, on Nike shoes Yeah. because we think like, man, I got this big race, you know, I, I can do all <laughs> things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm like, oh really? Are you being beheaded? And you're wondering how to get through the next day. <laughs> I got carried away with that verse <laughs> in a sermon in the park. <laughs> I strayed from my notes a bit and I, I was making this exact same point that that verse gets taken out of context all the time. And I said, I said, putting that verse on your Nikes does not make you faster than the pagan next to you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. That was a good one. I was like, oh my gosh, this is basically tone. open air preaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, going back to like the idea of love, there's this really important principle in Bible study that we allow scripture to interpret scripture, yep. right? Talk about that more. Yeah. So on the grand scale of things, we allow the New Testament to interpret the Old Testament. Some people would say that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So if you have to back that up a few seconds and listen to it again, I understand, but <laughs> I'm not even sure I said it right. For but those I, of I us think at I the did. Table that <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it right. So we let the New Testament interpret the Old Testament, meaning um, like I'm teaching through John right now at youth group and over and over and over, Jesus is correcting false teachings from the from the Pharisees and other religious leaders who are teaching from the Old Testament, right? But they're getting it wrong. And he's like, are you not the teachers of Israel and you don't understand these things? And so he's interpreting the Old Testament for us. And then we see um, examples where he, he's saying, man, if you would have just listened to Moses, you would have known he was talking about me. So Jesus is interpreting the books that Moses wrote for us, right? He's explaining and opening up the Old mm-hmm. Testament. So we allow the New Testament to interpret the Old Testament. And then when it comes to like the gospels and the epistles, we allow the epistles to interpret the gospels, right? So Paul in Romans is really opening up for us what happened on the cross, mm-hmm. right? How we are saved, what salvation means, what what it means to be human and, and not mm-hmm. regenerated, right? And what that can look like. So we allow the epistles to interpret the gospels. And so when we find a really difficult passage, we go to less difficult and really more, much more clear passages to interpret the difficult ones for us. Absolutely. Right? So yep. scripture is its own best interpreter. So package that principle easier for us because there's, that is a really important. So um, say you get to God is spirit. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that's not a great example. But anyways, <laughs> say, say you get to... Don't do that to me, Brian. <laughs> where it says God is spirit, yeah. um, or we worship God in spirit and truth, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we... Well, I, I got it. A principle. Yeah, so in the Old Testament, we see lots of... We see lots of statements like God's right uh, hand of judgment is stretched out against the nations, mm-hmm. right? And and um, other mentions of like his different body parts, mm-hmm. right? But then we go to the New Testament and Jesus says, no, 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 no. God is spirit, right? It's a statement about his being, like mm-hmm. who he actually is. Mm-hmm. And so then what we have to do is interpret the Old Testament statements about his his ears listening and him sleeping and his hand stretched out through what Jesus just said. Yeah. Right. Cause he made an explicitly clear statement. So that means that in the old Testament, when it's making statements about his body parts, they must be at least on some level figurative, right. Or illustrative mm-hmm. and trying to communicate to us what he's actually I forgot the word, but it has doing. the word, the, the root of personification. In it. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a good example. We let the new Testament interpret the old Testament for us and we get a much clearer picture. Now Mormons don't do that mm-hmm. and they ignore the new Testament. And so now they look at the old Testament and they think that God, the father is made up of bones and skin and muscle. Mm-hmm. Right, and they have a much weaker, pathetic little god that they worship instead yeah. of the one that Jesus is talking about. And it's polytheistic, but <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, that's another example. Um, and so that 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 tool is when you get to when you so practically when you get to a difficult text. Yes. Um, sometimes what's beneficial is if you're studying the Bible as a as a whole, also that you go to other areas that more clearly articulate that, and that is part of the harmonization process right. as well. Yeah. And that was John 4 we were talking about, by the way. Yeah. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. She throws him this weird question about uh, where she should be worshiping. And he's like, you know what? It's really not going to matter pretty soon yeah. because God's spirit. Yeah. Um, just you so can worship him right here on the mountain, which is just yeah. mind blowing because they're always right. going to Jerusalem. He was starting to like pick at her sin a little bit. And she's like, well, let me throw you out this question <laughs> that might distract you. I don't like that. So anyways, just in case anyone's curious about what we were talking about, um, that's where you can find it. John 4. Um, another, I was going to, See if you could explain this one, Brian. What What is the difference between the Bible describing something and the Bible prescribing something? Well, you basically just said it. So, Can you give us some examples? Or, uh, or how if we mix those up, it, things can go wrong? Um, yeah, so there's times... Oh, man, examples. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is, is, is not going to be a good example. It's going to create a lot of questions because culturally there are some things going on. What about, um, what about Joseph's dreams? What about them? Are they being prescribed for every oh, gotcha. Christian to okay. be a dream interpreter? So there's times in scripture where <laughs> scripture is describing something that happened, right. not prescribing them saying that like all Christians shall. Right. Right. And so um, there's times where there's cultural things being described that aren't prescribing them for the church today. They're just saying culturally, this is what was happening. And then there's times where the Bible's teaching Christians shall do this. So um, Joseph does have dreams and then goes and talks to his family about them. And it doesn't really go super well, but it does end up being God works it for his good because that's what he does. But uh, that's not prescribing that all Christians will have dreams um, that talk about their future and save nations. <laughs> right, but right. It was describing a time where God used that method in, in Joseph to do that. Um, to work his will out. And so that is a description of what happened, not prescribing, uh, not a prescription. Um, there's also a lot of Old Testament cultural things where um, they're told, don't do this and do this. And it was more cultural because it'd be confusing. And it's not prescribing those things for today. Speaking about 
marriage and moving and where you live and stuff like that. Those are more cultural description, describing what was happening, not prescribing um, how the church should look. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that's another, I guess, if we're talking Bible study methods, another tool is differentiating between what is described and what is prescribed is another tool. So we got coma. And then we have, what was the last scripture interpret scripture, scripture, interpret scripture, unnecessary, unnecessary implications, unnecessary implications. And then the idea of prescription and description, knowing the difference between those, because there are things that are described in the Bible that are not prescribed for Christians. Right. Like even some things that are described that are really bad, right. They're just described they're happening. Yeah. And so you can read that in scripture and be like, Oh, this is what Christians should be doing. No, it was describing something that was awful. Right. And, uh, and usually if you, if you just keep reading, <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll, it'll go on to say, um, what the Lord's view of those things were or in, you know, other books like Kings and different prophets, it's, it's addressed that it's sinful. Yeah. Um, and that's something gets in a little bit of apologetics because when there's an atheist that is not good at arguing against right. informed Christians, they'll often bring up, well, the Bible actually teaches that I won't say it cause I don't know who's listening. Right. right? So that's but, what I'm right, struggling right, with right, right now. So there's really horrible, awful, um, dark things that happen in the old Testament, right? And new Testament too, but really there's some terrible things in the Old Testament that happen. They're recorded history, mm-hmm. right? We have to be able to distinguish between recorded history and God approving of something. Right. And then, and also there's a lot of cultural things. So yeah. like I, if my ox gores your ox, right. then I have to replace your ox. Yeah. And, and it's like, if it, if it, <laughs> if it survives, but it's damaged, you know, or if this at one time you do this, if it does it twice, that's you just do a this. bad ox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get rid of that ox. So one of the examples that's, that I've, I've had, uh, you know, I, I'll say Facebook arguments about, um, somebody said, well, uh, scripture teaches, um, that if a woman is raped by a man, that, uh, that woman has to marry that man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that is something that cultural context matters when you're reading that because, um, just very short and maybe I'll regret even bringing this up but in a very quick manner, essentially what's happening there. Um, rape is already condemned at that point. And so what's being told is that, um, so you've already sinned, you've all, you've already done something horrific if you've raped somebody. Uh, but what would happen is these men would then just uh, abandon these women and leave them. And there's in, in that culture, uh, uh, women who had already had sex and were not a virgin, basically, typically, were left out of everything. There was no Obamacare. There was no uh, health care taking care of them. There was, there was no food stamps. They're left in the gutter and, and they died. And essentially what's being told is if you, if those, these men, whether Christians or not sin, it's bad, uh, that you, that, that one, that, that man should marry that woman and care for her her entire life. Yeah. Pay her bills, care for her, comfort her. And not that the least you can do is provide for her. It's not talking about like this intimate relationship now. It's that how, like you've already sinned in a horrific way. How how dare you then let her basically rot outside and die in a gutter somewhere? Right. You are now responsible for that woman until she takes her last breath. Right. And you'll support her and care for her. Right. And um, all obviously, um, that woman is not uh, in love with that person and doesn't have to marry that person. Right. Uh, but that there's a responsibility um, to care. So you've committed the sin. Um, it's not saying it's okay. But there is uh, repercussions of that, and there is a care that's going to be provided um, until that woman takes her last breath. Yeah, yeah, 
No, and so anyways, that, that, that's yeah. what was said is that the Bible teaches that, uh, that you should be able to, that, that you can, you know, rape women. And then if you do, then they have to marry you. Like, right. And that's not what's being taught at all. And it's just like, and to be honest, it's one-on-one Bible study stuff. Right. Um, that's people. If you who, follow coma, you'll yeah. come to the conclusion that that accusation is yeah. false. Yeah. And, and typically I believe that argument is made by evil people. Yeah. Like they're intentionally doing that because I mean, the, the chances are really they've heard it from somebody else and they're just regurgitating what they've heard and they've actually had no interest in reading the Bible at all. Right. So. Well, and they're, I mean, they take issue with that, but then they'll abort a baby. Right. Like this is inconsistent morality. Sure. Right. So right now, so even in that example I just gave, which is um, a very popular example, um, coma battles against that. Harmonizing scripture battles against that. Um, uh, prescription and description battles against that. So yeah. you can accurately understand what God is saying in his word. Yep. Um, that's basically all that I have. I just wanted to read something that RC Sproul wrote. So read something and okay. then let's, and then we're going to talk just literally a couple minutes about, um, next season because we're going to be wrapping up this season pretty quick. And, uh, we're going to give away. We're going to work on at the end of this season. Right. I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> I'm just forgetting. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this book is called a knowing scripture by RC Sproul. And I think that if you're like, I don't know where to start as far as studying the Bible and you want a little bit more in depth mm-hmm. than we were able to cover in this one episode, you should pick up this book. It's short, it's concise, it's written to the average person, right? Who wants to begin knowing how to study. And it's RC, bro. It's RC. And it's RC Sproul. So this was, I just wanted to share this because it was extremely convicting for me, right? And, okay. and yeah, it's just convicting for me. Maybe it'll be convicting for you also. He's he's discussing why people um, don't study the Bible, why um, or common things that he hears as excuses why people aren't, especially Christians, consistently reading and studying their Bibles, which we run into all the time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't feel like God's talking to me, but your Bible's all dusty in the corner. His words right there. <laughs> Dude, don't even, so, don't yeah, even I, light I, that I, fire I right I'm now. not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so he says, here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. And I think that we've made that case in this episode and others, yep. um, Jesus said, like, let the children come to me. I, I truly believe yeah. that what is necessary to know, anyone can understand. Fathers and mothers are supposed to be teaching their kids yeah. scripture. Yeah. So right. you know, we, we have no excuse not to be teaching our children that, not to be reading and studying and understanding ourselves. Let there be no mistake that you do not need a pastor because he's the only one that can understand scripture. Uh, God has put a pastor there for many reasons, uh, but never let yourself begin to think that, well, I just can't understand this and I'll just not read the Bible myself and I'll let my pastor spoon feed me until the day that I die and I'll die breastfeeding. Yeah. So there you go. Let, let's, let's summarize that and then move forward. So we got coma, mm-hmm. which is uh Context, observation, meaning, application. That's just a good fundamental way to approach reading um, uh, and reading that as a whole, right? Read the whole Bible. Read the whole Bible a couple times and then dive into coma. Um, and then uh, what are a couple others? 
you don't want to make any unnecessary implications from yep. one single text, right? right? You want to allow scripture to interpret scripture. Yeah. So Harmonize where we it. find a difficult spot, we find a more clear spot that informs us on the difficult spot. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't, we want to also uh, believe that we can have private interpretation through the illumination of the Holy spirit when we're reading the Bible, but we don't want to use that in a self-serving way. Right. Mm-hmm. And approach scripture with an agenda mm-hmm. and we want to be careful that we're not reading a description as a prescription. Yep. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. No, that, that's good. This is one Oh one. I literally right? don't have notes, so I can't even reference if I miss something <laughs> or not. No, that, that's good. <laughs> this is one Oh one. If, if you've joined us and you just want refreshed on approaching scripture, you've got it. This is, this is great. One Oh one. This is, this is sufficient for a little 50 minute podcast. Um, and if you have any other cool um, acronyms, acrostics, whatever that you would like to um, to share, comments below and uh, and things like that. Okay, so now uh, our season is going to be wrapping up here in the next couple episodes. Uh, and our plan for next year, uh, which I mean, is, I think January we wanted to start season two. Yeah. And what our plan would be is between uh, December and the beginning of January. Uh, we are going to be doing several things. One of them is uh, interviews with people. So getting, uh, asking questions to just random people on the street and be able to bring those sound patches in here. And so we can kind of see what's what other people are saying and bounce off of that a little bit. A little pulse of culture. A little pulse of culture, getting some other uh, guests in like we have in the past. We uh, found that that was pretty enjoyable and had our probably our, our highest listeners tend to be when we have guests and stuff like that. So that's enjoyable. Um, we got some really good topics that we're going to be talking about um, also that we're pumped uh, about. And then also our hope would be that we are going to, right now we've been doing every other week. Um, we're going to try to get to, our goal would be every week, but we're going to shoot for three a month. And uh, to in order to do that, we are going to use uh, December and January to really, um, uh, buckle down on some of these podcasts and get some recorded. In addition to that, we are actually um, working on, we were just going to buy a shed. Yes. I wasn't sure if you were going to talk about this or not. <laughs> we were going to buy a shed and because we set up and take down and set up and take down and set up and take down constantly. Right. This is a shared room. Yeah. That and, we're sitting even, in right now. even this episode, we had three little munchkins come walking in through here, <laughs> which we knew was going to happen, but just be nice if that didn't have to happen. Yeah. So we're going to buy the shed and we're going to set stuff up or we can just leave it and come in and record and I'm going to be a little bit quicker, a little bit less production and uh, set up, you know, lights and things like that and just be able to leave it. Well, now we, because we work at a Baptist church, so there's lots of old buildings and and rooms that need to be (laughs) fixed. So we have one that, you know, the floor is so uh, dry rot and what's that bug that eats wood? Termite? The bug that eats wood. (laughs) There's termites that have eaten the wood where the walls not even touching the ground. So we decided rather than spending money on a shed, it'd be better to kind of fix part of what we already have and make that a room where we can set things up and leave it, come in and pound out these episodes. And so we're super pumped about that. Um, Well, I think it's really going to bring, it's going to make it easier for us to record more often. Right. Right. Because we don't have the work of setting up and taking down. So hopefully you guys are working around other people's schedules for this room. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get more episodes out hopefully. And also I think the quality of each episode will go up. Yeah. And also we're going to be able to cater a little bit more to those who are watching, right? Like on YouTube or Facebook. Right. But you guys listening, 
you know this part of our vision for this podcast will always cater mostly to the listener right but we do have um, one of our platforms is youtube so we do video our recordings and so um, we do know that for those people who are more visual learners that we can probably do a little bit better job in there also but don't worry you listeners you're still our number one priority yeah absolutely All right, what's this giveaway? What are we doing? Yeah, I can't believe you forgot about this because I'm taking some of the books off your shelf as part of the giveaway. But well, you already agreed to it. You can't say no now. God. It's not my fault you don't remember, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is at the end of the season, like to celebrate the first season of C28, is we are going to put together a book giveaway. So I we haven't decided exactly how this is all going to work. This is just something to be looking forward to. <laughs> we haven't because we've never attention. talked about it. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> These are going to be very exclusive books directly from the shelves of Pastor Brian Campbell. Right on. Right. So his maybe even like his little notes and stuff inside the book. No, his oh. face. He doesn't. I'm like, like did we talk about I'm just about joking. This? Okay. I'm just joking. You don't want his study Bible. It's kind of like moldy and stuff. There was one that I used on my boat when I'd fish and that one got a little out of control. Yeah, it's pretty rough. So there's going to be a book giveaway. My hope is that I'll be able to put together a selection of books um, that are ones that we've either talked about or referenced or used to prepare for the yeah. different episodes of this podcast. So I think that'd be kind of a cool theme, right? These are the ones that we've been using that we trust mm-hmm. that we would recommend. And I, my goal is to make it a pretty substantial little book giveaway. So make yeah. sure you're paying attention to this. It may be, maybe a gift card or something in there too, for somebody who's, you know, not quite a nerd. Yeah. Throwing a like, gift card to C28 merch. You <laughs> <laughs> like pencils. coffee cup. <laughs> anyways we're pretty excited about the future of it yeah yeah and you know we didn't know exactly how this podcast would work out but (laughs) we actually have a really high response we didn't really expect this and so we appreciate everybody that's uh that's been listening and subscribing and liking things and sharing things um share away every opportunity you get we'd love for this to permeate our culture um in addition to that uh those of you who have financially given we don't really make a big deal about it um, on our podcast here, but, uh, we do appreciate that. And one of the things that we're working on between now and January, for those of you who have communicated, Hey, I want to give, but, uh, I don't want to do the monthly giving thing. I want to do a one-time thing. That'll be part of our website that we're getting up. Um, and then all, and then as always, uh, if you are giving, we love it. Thank you. It's provided better sound quality for sure. Yeah. And then uh, you might be experiencing for those of you guys uh, watching on YouTube, maybe a little bit different lighting, things like that. Uh, We appreciate it a ton, but uh, never take any giving away from your local church. Um, You know, we we don't want that to be this, but what we're looking for is if a couple people, you know, start um, are able to sacrifice a coffee or two a month and be a patron supporter, you know, of three to five to $10 and, a month that would be um, that'd be great. That'd help us, you know, keep up with subscriptions and things that we've had to take out to keep and getting that new going. studio set up with some extra things. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So with that, what we'd like to do is just thank you again for uh, listening, and hopefully, after this, you have some good tools to begin studying that Bible and be refreshed on ways to accurately understand the Word of God. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah.